There are many ways people listen to vision, including through a PC at work. When you fire up your computer at work, go to vision.org.au slash listen and click the Vision or V180 Listen Live buttons. You can also catch the latest Vision National News Bulletin and enjoy a growing range of on-demand podcasts from the same page all while you work. However, and wherever you listen to Vision, you can be sure that the announcers, programs and music will help you look to God daily. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. I feel like we've been talking about this day all year and in a sense that is true because the significance of the anniversary of the 31st of October is just uh, almost unfathomable when you talk about the 500 years since the Reformation and today 100 years since the very historic charge of the light horse on Beersheba. Uh, So significant is this anniversary for Australia that our Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull is in Israel and has been meeting with the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu in Jerusalem. In fact, uh, some significant uh, signings of Defence Industry Cooperation Memorandums that have been happening overnight. Well, it's always good getting an update on the significance of things happening in Israel and the Middle East. And a special welcome back on a very special day to you, Ron Ross. Thank you very much, Neil. Ron, no doubt you've been looking at the headlines very carefully. The Prime Minister, he is in Israel. It is a very significant day, isn't it? Oh, it is indeed. And the relationship between Australia and Israel has always been very warm. And, of course, that dates back to uh, the Australian Light Horse and uh, their mighty achievement. Uh, But, uh, as you say, he's been meeting with Benjamin Netanyahu, And I was interested to see that Australia is seeking closer defence and military intelligence ties to Israel on the back of uh, Turnbull's visit to the Jewish state. Mr Turnbull is expected to announce Australia and Israel will conduct annual defence talks and boost defence industry cooperation. The first Australian Prime Minister to visit Israel since fellow Conservative John Howard in 2000 Mr Turnbull told the Australian press the visit would focus mainly on military ties but also address the broader issues of trade, investment and technology. Israel's defence industry exports are worth about $7 billion US dollars a year with the USA, India, South Korea and Australia key destinations. Our defence ties have become a vital part of the relationship between Australia and Israel. As a result of this visit, we aim to upgrade the cooperation on defence, national security and the protection of crowded places, uh, Prime Minister Turnbull said. Our nations can learn a great deal from each other in order to strengthen security and keep our citizens safe. And we can all say amen to that. That's right. And, of course, uh, later today our time, if I've got all the time differences correct, of course there'll be the charge on Beersheba reenactment. And uh, you're quite familiar with the way that reenactment might look, Ron. What, what do you think we're in for? What's the Prime Minister going to see uh, later today? amazing. I've walked the walk uh, where the Light Brigade charged And, of course, even the Americans say it was the last great cavalry charge in military history. 
and I've been amazed that even my local butcher has been full of questions after he watched a documentary recently. I wanted to mention, Neil, uh, the Australian Jewish News. If uh, our listeners go to jewishnews.net.au, they're able to download a magnificent supplement published by the Australian Jewish News. Uh, that supplement is all about the liberation of Besheva on October 31, 1917. And the, it was, they describe it as the crowning glory of Australian light horse during World War I. And they talk about 1916 and 1970. The light horse comprised many courageous, risk-taking young Australian bushmen, the generation born on the eve of the new century, and now battle-hardened by their bitter experiences in Gallipoli and the repulse of the Turkish invasion of Egypt. Interviewed by the Australian Jewish News this month, Professor Roland Perry said the breakthrough at Bathsheba allowed the British to take Gaza after three attempts. From then on, the Turks were on the run. By the time the Australian horsemen faced the Ottomans on the Sinai in 1916, they were ready for the bloody desert warfare ahead. Under Chevelle's command, the light horse crossed the Sinai and reached Palestine. They fought the first and second battles of Gaza in March and April 1917. The Allied and Ottoman forces battled each other down to a six-month stalemate along the gaza Bathsheba line, which was broken by the light horse's daring sunset charge into Bathsheba on October 31. Uh, I recommend this supplement done by the Jewish people, uh, the Australian Jewish people. It's quite brilliant. Ron, just come to the significance here, because we're talking a hundred years ago, there was no Jewish state. And here today we have the Prime Minister in Israel meeting with the Israeli Prime Minister. Uh, it had been 400 years of Ottoman rule. This charge on Beersheba was so significant. This is what opened up the eventual, and of course there was a lot of other processes, but the eventual reinstatement of this nation of Israel and therefore a fulfilment of biblical prophecy. How do you reflect on just the significance of what happened uh, when that light horse charge uh, took Beersheba? I had rabbis in Israel tell me that they believed that the Australians were beaten in Gallipoli so that they would come into Israel and pull off this miracle. And Ariel Sharon told us that he believed that the state of Israel was born because of the success of the Australian Light Horse. Bear in mind that the Balfour Declaration was passed when news came into the House of Lords that Bathsheba had fallen. The victory by the Australians made it possible for people to see the future of Israel in a positive light and move forward for the establishment of the state. It, it's quite amazing. And I was watching a spokesman for the Australian Light Horse yesterday who said, you know, we put so much emphasis on a defeat at Gallipoli that we've missed the significance of Bathsheba. 
It's amazing. And there's lots of resources that have been produced this year. I'll point to uh, one other than the supplement you were talking about. There's a DVD in the Vision Store uh, all about the significance of today's anniversaries. It's by historian Kelvin Crombie, 31st October, Destiny's Date. And uh, he covers that historic background of not only the charge on Beersheba, but the 500 years since the Reformation. He also talks about that Balfour Declaration as well. Well, uh, significant things to look at. It is a very, very significant day today to remember in history. There are other headlines that have been breaking in the Middle East and to do with Israel overnight. Ron, let's just briefly uh, focus on some of those. Uh, seven Gaza terrorists dead, 12 wounded in an advanced technology IDF tunnel attack. What's the story there? Yeah, seven Gaza terrorists were killed and a dozen more wounded on Monday after the IDF detonated a terror tunnel leading to Kibbutz Kisafim, from which the enclave beneath Israel's southern border with Gaza. The demolition was carried out in a controlled explosion that was scheduled ahead of time by the IDF. Some of the operatives who were killed were members of the Palestinian Islamic Jihad terror organization, and exact, exact numbers right now are unclear. The IDF spokesperson, Brigadier General Ronan Manelis, told reporters the tunnel was discovered in Israel territory near the border fence opposite the city of Khan Yunus. Interesting to note that uh, senior Islamic Jihad commander Arafat Abu Marashad, who heads the terror group in central Gaza, was among those reported dead. And there's another story too. The US conducted a secret trip to Saudi Arabia to talk Israeli-Palestinian peace. And we were talking about this last week, the way that a new US-led initiative might well be about getting all of the surrounding nations around Israel and the Palestinian people on side, uh, rather than focusing on just the Israel-Palestinian conflict. Well, I've been watching with interest the change of heart in Saudi Arabia towards women. And I'm just wondering how much the uh, impression of the Trump administration is having there. A senior White House official confirmed yesterday that Jared Kushner, U.S. President Donald Trump's son-in-law and senior advisor, special representative for international negotiation Jason Greenblatt, and Deputy National Security Advisor for Strategy Dina Powell visited Saudi Arabia last week to discuss ways to further the Israel-Palestinian peace process. In a statement, the source said the visit is part of President Trump's effort to broker a deal between Ramallah and Jerusalem. The talks followed meetings between U.S. representatives and counterparts from Egypt, the United Arab Emirates and other regional partners on the sidelines of last month's United Nations General Assembly. And uh, I believe that Trump is really using the Arab uh, states uh, to put pressure on the uh, whole peace treaty process. Well, as we've been saying, our Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull in Israel today, significant anniversary and strengthening military ties to Israel. Uh, we know, Ron, that the UN is not always on the side of Israel when it comes to the issues that are going on so far as peace uh, in the Middle East. Uh, another news headline, the UN has given $1.3 billion for Palestinian legal action against Israel. What's that headline indicating? An independent monitoring group 
is asking UN Chief Antonio Guterres to explain why the world body is planning to spend $1.3 billion across 16 different agencies to fund Palestinian law campaigns against Israel. According to a document signed between the UN and the government of Palestine, whatever that is, that presents the strategic programming framework of the United Nations system in the occupied Palestinian territories for 2018 to 2022 to go into effect on January 1st. The UN will provide training, capacity building, and technical advice to ensure that Palestinian victims and institutions make effective use of international accountability to hold Israel accountable for the violations under international law. Preposterous. Yes, and uh, it's interesting, Ron. I'll get your perspective because it is a significant day today when we've got the idea from the Old Testament scriptures Uh, the way that those who bless Israel will be blessed. Uh, Friendship with Israel is a very important thing, and with our Prime Minister strengthening friendship with Israel today, uh, it is significant. How do you think those sorts of promises that date back to the Old Testament uh, still hold true today for those who are friends of Israel? Because we know that there are many nations surrounding Israel that are enemies of Israel. How do you think the idea of friendship works in the 21st century when we look at biblical fulfillment of prophecy and, and those promises that God has and his faithfulness to his own people? I think there is uh, an important uh, aspect for us to consider Uh, that Jesus was a Jew. The biblical heroes that we uh, acknowledge were all Jews. And uh, years ago, I preached a sermon on we're not the lucky country, we're the blessed country. And uh, I put that down to the Australian Light Horse and what they did uh, in that miraculous charge 100 years ago. Uh, We turned up at a desperate time uh, in history, and our participation allowed the state of Israel to be born. And I believe we're blessed as a result of Genesis 12.3, that if you bless Israel, you'll be blessed. Uh, and let me put it this way. I don't think we have any right as Christians to curse anybody or to hate any particular group. Uh, but I do believe that if we really understand the Bible and its tradition and its importance we understand that the roots of the Bible were established throughout the principles that are displayed in the Old Testament. And therefore, we honour them, uh, we acknowledge them, we don't necessarily agree with them politically all the time, uh, but we certainly honour and respect uh, the traditions that we have as Christians brought about by the faithfulness and even the sin of the Jewish people because God didn't hold them uh, uh, with any freedom. He held them accountable and we learn many lessons from that. Lots of deep things to think about, isn't it? Because the idea of loyalty to allies and what that looks like, an important concept to be considering, and especially on a day like this uh, when there is a a reinforcement of our allied nature to the nation of Israel. Uh, 
Uh, Ron Ross, uh, it is a significant day, 100 years since the charge on Beersheba, 500 years since the Reformation, and I'm sure we could draw connections there uh, to uh, Reformation times and even connect that with Israel. We might not be able to have time to do that today, but there are connections there. Uh, I'll be talking some more or reflecting with a conversation that I had earlier this year uh, with the Reverend Dr. Graham Chatfield on 500 years since the Reformation coming up in the hour after Focus on the Family uh, ahead of us today just a, a couple of hours away. Ron Ross, just great getting your insights. It is a significant day. Thank you so much for all of your good work in monitoring the news, the breaking news headlines that we monitor each week. Appreciate you and thanks so much for being with us again today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.